1: Nut, 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 good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to everyone out there on the internet, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. This is, once again, Lancing with myself, with me, Steve D. It's the weekly five-minute show where I talk about being a freelance game designer and creative, especially when you're low on spoons and low on cash. Last episode, I was talking about wearing as many different hats as you possibly can in the industry to learn everything about the industry and have empathy and understanding for the other people that you are going to work with and just to broaden your experience but you know what the second step to that is work in other industries as much as you can wearing as many hats as you can now obviously that's a lot of work again and you you know you don't want to you're already struggling to maybe get your game published you don't have to be struggling to get something else published as well but um there are ways that you can browse and experience things in other industries you know you can of course create things you know there's no reason why you can only just make games. Write a book. Write a poem. Draw a picture. Sculpt something. Make a movie. Um, make a TV show. Write a script. All these things are good things to do to practice your skills, to art un- uh, and to understand the difference between your art form and 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 game design between one art form and game design. If you understand different art forms, you'll be able to understand game design better because you'll be understand the differences sometimes the best way to get an insight into something and how it works is to look at it from another point of view or to compare it to something else, you know, because there are so all these little assumptions and value statements and things that we bring into gaming uh, and game design that just aren't present in other art forms, and um, it's really important to understand those things and see those things and go, well, why are they are they there? Should they be there, you know? Um, and some of those little tiny assumptions that you don't know you're making you're only going to be able to see when you go to something else and that goes twice as much or 10 times as much when it comes to things like the industry and the hobby every kind of hobby and industry have their own standards and values and expectations and beliefs and even superstitions and ideas about what things matter and what things don't you know um and and you need to talk to these people. You know, there's a huge conversation going on in, in, in role-playing games at the moment about trying to increase the amount of money that designers are paid. Um, but then I was just having a conversation with with computer game designers and they're often just accepted that they're never going to make any money. You know, they're, they're, they're small games they know. They're just never going to get their money back. Um, and you just, you throw it out there and you just hope you maybe get a little a little bit of sales with, and you try not to monetize it too annoyingly um, with micro you know, micropayments and things that people hate. And there was just a very different sort of set of expectations and values. And that's just one example. There was just one person I was talking to. um, And neither position is particularly right or wrong, but it's all about what people expect and what people, what angles people come to. And if you only have a very narrow view of one particular version of, of your hobby and your art form uh, and how it's supposed to work, you're not going to be able to think about different ways that it could work and should work and might work, you know? So, Um, You, you know, you need to see wherever you can to step into these other industries to try and actually see how these, how the sausages are made and all sorts of different things. And if possible, do a little bit of it, you know, ask yourself, right, if I was writing a book, how would I go about, you know, getting it published? If I was trying to sell a short story, how much money would I get? What would that be like? What are the rates there? What do, what do they use agents to, you know, where are the markets, how does that all work if you have people working in these fields sit down and talk to them right about their processes see where their blocks are what's difficult for them what's challenging for them what are the overarching issues that that they want to make better to make it easier to give get more accessibility you know there's so much um crossover that you can learn from just stepping into this other industry and seeing how they approach you know creativity or publishing or financing or marketing and they're going to have just all these tiny little assumptions that have bubbled up from all their years of practice that are going to be different from the ones in gaming. You know, there's all sorts of examples from that, you know, um, that you can imagine, like I find that when people, um, people often just assume, for example, that role-playing games are always going to be for the same number of people, but board games don't think like that. They just don't have that assumption there are you know, they start with, you know, at least one and, you know, well, there's a, there is a very famous zero player game. That's quite interesting, but um, I've said that to people about role-playing games, they go, wait, role-playing games don't have play accounts. Well, maybe they should. And many of them do now. There's a lot of great indie games out there with two and I'm working on, uh, for two or one or, or three. And I've got a one-player one player game on my website. I'm working on a two one run, two player one right now. And, um, that's just one of those, another example of things where you just go, well, hang on, how does another art form think about this? How does, how does movies, you know? How does, how does books classify things? Why do, are there genres in books that there aren't in movies or um, things like that? You know, um, Why are there no really good mystery-solving RPGs? There, there's very few of them, um, and I'm sort of working on one of those as well. Uh, but it's a huge genre in, in movies and books. It's not so much in games, and we, they, there are various reasons why, and there's some really brilliant games that have been made to challenge that and to add to that. Another, that's just another random example off the top of my head, but the fact is it's just, you know, um, travel broadens the mind because you see things from different points of view. You see all the assumptions that, that you make because you can now see a culture that haven't made those kind of assumptions. And if you can't travel to different cultures and different countries, um, you know, well, if you, and even if you can, you also want to change into different subcultures and different industries and see what their culture is like and the assumptions they make because that just throws into stark relief all the assumptions that you're making and that allows you to push those boundaries, change those assumptions and bring about new new ideas that nobody else has thought of. And also just get better at understanding your own industry, hobby, cultures and processes and art forms. So not just wearing a hat in every part of your own industry, but go out try to other, other jobs, look at other industries, talk to other industry professionals, compare notes, figure out the assumptions you're making and try to change them and uh, try to challenge them at least. Um, that's what we're all, that's why we make art, to challenge ourselves and to challenge other people and to see where we can go. So that's my advice. Work in other industries. Till next time, I've been Steve D. This has been Lansing with myself. Be good, pat dogs, play, God. play games, have fun.